If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of sighs guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15, discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Moms Talk Autism podcast. Stick around with us today as we will be talking about our children's extra diagnoses and our emotions and feelings around testing our kiddos. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. Hey, hey, hey. Everybody say hey. Good what morning. Up? Good morning. Oh. Up? All right, y'all. Um, so we decided to talk um, more extensively around a couple of uh, questions that we got for grab bag episodes. So instead of making this a full-on multiple question grab bag, we are going to we are going to address two main topics. We are going to uh, address today our children's extra diagnoses, so possibly ADHD, SPD, um, etc. And we will also be chatting around the feelings and emotions and how we digest. What's the word, Jean? T- testing. Process. Well, just yeah, but, uh, well, like testing, but more in the educational realm. Um, oh, yeah. I see. Managing. Ma- managing, managing our emotions around our children not being, you know, quote unquote, their grade level, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good way of saying. Okay. It. No, you, you, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, beca- because because testing, you know, obviously, our children get tested for lots of different things, um, but that can be probably the hardest one to digest. I believe, um, and especially that it's done every single year, you know, year after year when the school year starts um, and through throughout the school year. So, okay, here we go. Who has all the extra diagnosis? <laughs> extra like who has the, raising your who hand? Who has the most? <laughs> who has the most? I don't know. Maybe should I we go know. in order? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I Rory has Rory has I think five. Whoa. Total. Tell us. Hey, let me pause for a second and think how many. <laughs> I well we have we have autism. Uh-huh. We have severe speech, uh expressive and receptive speech delay. We have anxiety. We have mm-hmm. ADHD. Um okay, so maybe four. Four. Uh, okay. 
but you know, it's all four and counting because you just never know what's coming next. Totally. Um, and do are we including? Um, I mean, because this was just recognized, right? Not within his diagnosis, but um, within the last year or two, the intellectual disability. Oh, intellectual disability. Yes. Uh-huh. So five. Okay. That's five. So five. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's both, you know, on, so in school district terms, I think it's known as LD instead of ID, but in medical form, it's known as ID, um, which intellectual disability for anyone that needs clarification is the proper replacement term of what was once considered mental retardation. Um, oh, I did not know that is no longer uh, appropriate at all. So let this also be a PSA mm-hmm. that no one uses the R word. Right. Okay. There's a whole campaign around do not say and use the R word. Mm-hmm. Um, Jean, will you yeah, just go through? I mean, through, it didn't all come at once. Will you just go through all those diagnoses just like you did with the intellectual disability and just like give a brief little thing about what each of those are so people know? So there's we know all know what autism is, right? But what's right. what's autism the other one? Just give us a little definition. The, the main uh, umbrella. So the expressive, receptive, and expressive speech delay is exactly what it is. Um, he is speaking now, right? But his it's and it may not be uh, considered as severe anymore, and. Um, you know, but initially that was very jarring. That was probably way more. We got that diagnosis before the autism one. Right. And that was really traumatizing for us because we were like, mm-hmm. whoa, my kid is severe. Like to see that word in writing mm-hmm. like that. Um, like we know it was speech delayed, but that's a different delivery than saying your child is severely speech delayed. And, um, Uh, so that's pretty, I mean, that is pretty straightforward and what they do, you know, all of the qualifications, you know, it's all within the measuring assessment to however you performed in several domains of, of the assessment, um, with how they come to that solution. And then, um, anxiety, it's always been a part of that. It was, it was kind of informally diagnosed. Uh, it was just always noted, um, within like his, his neurology, uh, reports and, you know, his ABA providers and, in his IEP, it's very well known that, that Rory has anxiety and a lot of what we do, right. You know, treat, treat and manage, you know, the presentations or symptoms of, of, challenging behaviors and self-regulation and all that it goes goes hand in hand with helping with serving the, the anxiety um and then you know good old adhd um i say that because you know they suspected that right out of the gate and mm-hmm. they hesitated in giving us the dual diagnosis but then like a year later, he got the dual diagnosis and it's, you know, learning, learning about the different types of ADHD was very mm-hmm. um, helpful uh, mm-hmm. as well. Cause it's not always the cliche thing. And we do have an episode on that. You can always go back and listen to um, Tosh and I talk with 
Elizabeth well, Gardner with that conversation. Yeah. So, so just give everybody a quick rundown of just, you know, the two, basically the two main, you know, the hyperactive and then versus the, the inattentive. Yeah. Yes. So you have, yeah. you have hyperactive, you have inattentive, and then you can also have combined. Right. Um, and he, he does have combined, but it was more, it's still the ratio. The spectrum is still more highly favorable on the inattentive end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also about impulse control. Mm-hmm. What I was noticing and why a lot of times, you know, they look at autism and think it's a catch off for everything. Right. And, but it doesn't necessarily all fit under the tent of autism and, you know, you know, ADHD and autism were almost like siblings. So, you know, I noticed a very, there was a distinctive difference in the, in his impulses and, and having the neurologist explain to me once he got his eyes on Rory to where we had finally arrived and how like out of control and unmanageable self-regulating him was, um, at that point that we received that dual diagnosis, he, um, you know, it was just like, there was, there was no, there was no middle ground. It was point A to B mm-hmm. just shot. Like he decided something was hyper-focused on something. There was no, you could not slow that impulse down. It was going to happen. And it was like severe perseverate perseveration and, um, inability to transition, you know, to, to calm. Like there was just no middle ground. Um, the elopements were out of control and, and everything, but, uh, you know, it's ADHD can be tricky to diagnose because of the stigmas that preconceived notions that people have around ADHD. Um, so, then, so that's a little bit too what I wanted you to sh- maybe share a little bit more in depth of, you know, just like maybe difference between boy and girl, but also, you know, the thought process of like, oh, little boys are hyperactive. It's always hyperactive with, you know, physically. Um, right. They think that for boys, that's, they right. think that, but then they, they end up miss, missing or flying under the radar and they're not right. getting identified. They're under identified essentially. And girls specifically are under identified more so because they tend to be more, their ADHD tends to be more on the inattentive, in, inattentive, inattentive. Um, arena. Um, yes. But not to say that there are not a lot of little girls out there who do not are have, hyper, right. that are hyperactive. Yeah. Yep. Right. But it doesn't always present that way, but there are, it does create and hinders, you know, learning challenges and, mm-hmm. um, it adds to it, but, but Rory is definitely like what my neurologist said was hundred percent combined type brain, you know, and a lot of kids that are, that came with the ADHD diagnosis sometimes are in a lot of times, in a lot of cases, according to my neurologist's opinion was that those kids are under identified as also being autistic. Um, because again, they get stuck in the tent of just ADHD and they're not Mm -hmm. examining that there may be, uh, something else at work. So, you know, and then intellectual disability, uh, how that came to be, because we obviously can also dive deeper more into talk, keep talking about ADHD. It's a vortex. Um, but we, you know, with, you know, Tosh with your, um, with your, your son's, um, profile, as well. So, uh, but intellectual disability, 
they, they did all kinds of, uh, additional assessments a year ago. Um, and by Rory was still seemingly high performing in his subtype of what they would indicate as severely autistic, which is the level three support. He, he still, he still had what was some form of intellectual disability. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was there. And I took that actually in stride. That was not anything shocking. We didn't, we didn't know for sure if he was or not, because many of much of the measuring tools don't, aren't really adapted to our kids and getting, getting their baseline in a, in a more adequate and concise way. So it was always so big and ambiguous and, and that speculation, but because of where his, his speech had increased and certain competencies that he has based on rubrics available on the right now, um, the BCBA actually was able to do a ton of rubrics on him that I'd never even heard of and aren't even used in, in the school system to come to that um, conclusion. So, which is helpful. It gives us a baseline of Rory and also that intellectual intellectual disability also kind of basically guarantees and anchors that your child will have supports forever because you don't you don't just become un, uneligible for intellectual disability. Right. Um, but for autism and ADHD, they can tend to say, oh, well, you're not really eligible for services anymore. You no longer meet those requirements in a, in a school system. They can do that. Um, with ID, not right. Was, was, he was tested through the school district, right, for the ID? But, well, both. So they took the report. To, like the data from the BCBA. But, yeah, mm-hmm. they combined mm-hmm. the data, right? They combined the data with their rubrics. And so that way it also is also represented represented and indicated in his IEP as well. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's the hard part of, um, you know, it just being specifically done in the school district is the capability of the proper testing because of time, et cetera, you know? Well, um, yeah. And it's also to know the reason why some of the testing doesn't exist in a school district is because that, that testing, those rubrics cost a lot of money for districts to have possession of versus, you know, a medical system or, you know, in a clinical setting where they are a larger company, they have, it's, it's like nothing to them. It's a drop in the bucket to get those measuring tools versus it is, it's a very, um, it needs a lot of discernment for school districts to assess, okay, which, what, what tools, what are going to be our requirements? And also, Sometimes it's also guided by legislation and policy um, Mm -hmm. of like how our kids are tested. And it doesn't mean that you can't make requests because that's where you go, okay, well, I then want to seek a full independent evaluation if they aren't able to provide the specific type of evaluation that you would like within the school district, then you can seek a third party. You can make Mm -hmm. that request. Um, But again, that's, it's the whole like, 
having the wherewithal and knowledge to know to even ask for those things. And I, I used to, I kind of found out a lot of stuff trial by, by error from our healthcare providers to say, hey, this is the type of testing you need to request for measuring X, Y, and Z. So I don't know if we, we're kind of still on topic. It's really, see, it's kind of like these two topics. Yeah, it's very intertwined. It's very intertwined because you kind of can't talk about diagnoses and eligibility without talking about the Mm -hmm. assessments and testing um, on, on both ends. So it's not just educationally because I think, and then Brittany and I, I believe, have shared common feelings around how, especially in the beginning, how traumatizing to like do things like the Vineland, uh, you know, over and over again and being confronted and faced with, okay, well, this is where your child is at right now, you know, mm-hmm. like. It's different when you have to put pen, if it's, even if it's on the computer, it's still quote unquote, like pen to paper paper, you're looking at it in black and white and you're like, okay, my kid is still not, you know, able Mm -hmm. to do this. It's just a reminder because it's not necessarily what you've been focusing on, but it's necessary for doing, having the full scope of analyzing where your child is. And it's hard to get adjusted to that. Right. Right. I've done it one time and it was horrible. Yeah. I mean, I used to take me hours. You take me, I didn't, didn't even have to do it in ABA. days. <laughs> yeah. We had to do ours for two different ABA companies. Oh. Yeah. I have a violin that's due actually. I have to do one. And now it can take me an hour where it used to take me again. Like I had to days. compartmentalize it yeah. days uh, or, or hours. And I had to like take breaks because it was just so confronting. So much. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Shani, and Shan, Shan. Shani, Shan, Shan, that was good because it gave me a chance to bring up Gracie's most recent diagnosis. Yes. Because <laughs> oh. I was like, let's let's get the pin out with the list of things. Um, so we recently had to have Gracie re-diagnosed for mm. autism. Um, in that, is, can you just, just speak on that a little bit too? <laughs> How it's crazy. Like she woke up at six and wasn't autistic anymore. Yeah. Um, well, because I mean, we've never, that's never been, that's never happened in Washington. So I, I mean. Well, so it has to do with her state benefits. In right. That, okay. You know, unfortunately that is, it's so different state to state. So we can't all really speak because it's right. never going to be exactly what everybody else is going through. But right. um, Gracie, after the age of three, you no longer qualify for in, for early intervention. And it goes into the Arizona long-term care system once you've hit three. And then at six, they need an updated diagnosis. Um, so we just had to go through a re-diagnosis um, for Gracie again. And um, I mean, it's I tried to look at it in a good way as, let's see what new things I can learn about Gracie since... I have to go through this crap yeah, I like all that. over again. <laughs> so um, I think a lot of our kids have like, you know, a lot of our kids have the speech delay, right? So mm-hmm. one of Gracie's first diagnosis was severe speech delay. So that's not shocking in any way, I don't think. Um, obviously, she also has autism. So that's another one. Um, Gracie is also hyperlexic. Um So hyperlexia, just for those of you guys who don't know what that means, it is when a child can read levels far beyond expected for their age. So Gracie can read a 
ton of stuff. Um, but the thing with hyperlexia is that just because they can read the word, it doesn't mean they actually are like understanding and comprehending what they're reading. So Gracie may be able to read a book, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that she could tell you what happened in the book. Right? right. So we're we're working with her teachers at school to figure out ways to understand what she's comprehending. And a lot of those have to do with like sequential pictures that go along with a short story. So, you know, can she put the pictures in order of what happened in the book to know mm-hmm. what she actually absorbed from it? Um, Gracie also has apraxia of speech, which um, in simple terms basically means that I'm pointing to my head. Nobody's going to be able to tell. But um her brain knows what she wants to say, but getting it out of her mouth is very difficult. We take that for granted. We don't understand all of the wiring that goes on between our brain and our mouth to make words come out. And so apraxia of speech is just the difficulty getting it from your brain and then out of your mouth. So Gracie has that diagnosis as well. Um, she also has an ID diagnosis, the intellectual disability Um it is, and she even has on her diagnosis form significantly uneven cognitive ability profile, relative strength and visual learning ability, uh, weakness in some motor and communication. So Gracie has always been very, very strong visually. She would put puzzles together at a very young age, get bored with them and flip them over and put them together with just the white side facing up. So like visually, She's always been way ahead of the game. But when it comes to communicating verbally and that sort of thing, she's always really struggled with that. So those are things that, you know, we're working on for her. Um, Regulatory disorder, uh, sensory processing disorder. I think that those, the majority of us already know what those are. Gracie is a very, very high sensory seeker. She needs deep input. She needs to be moving. Um, We have to take a lot of breaks. I know people, I posted a reel on Facebook the other day um, of how I got her to sit through reading a book with me, you know, Mm -hmm. and we had to read a page and then we would do 10 big bounces on, you know, one of the yoga sensory balls. Um, So she can do seated activities, but a lot of times in order to get her to maintain her focus on those things, we also have to integrate sensory activities with them to help her stay regulated. Um, She also has a tick, a motor tick disorder, and it comes out every once in a while. Um, I've noticed it recently kind of showing up again in times where maybe she's like a little bit more stressed out or things are changing. Um, And for you guys, like ticks are like repetitive movements. So for Gracie, I will see her every once in a while and she'll move her chin to her left shoulder and she'll kind of touch her chin to her shoulder. Um, And that's something that showed up. Gosh, girls, do you remember? It was probably a year, a year and a half ago because I think we were doing the neurology. She had to do the EEG like when all of us first started talking. Um, But when that started showing up, we did take her to the neurologist. We've seen him a handful of times because we wanted to make sure that there was no seizure activity going on with that. So we did have to do, you know, the mildly sedated EEG for her and there was no seizure activity. So um, it's nothing that she has to be on medication for. It's kind of like monitor her. And if it starts to affect her everyday life, her ability to participate or focus then it's something that we would dive into more Mm -hmm. Um, for, you know, those of you who have kiddos with ticks, you may also realize that they sort of come and go in waves. So it went a very long time 
before we saw it again. So, I mean, I would say it was probably gone for a year and then it's just sort of made its way back and it's not anything that's like prevalent. She's not doing it a ton. So it's not a concern. Um, And then the other thing that we are, or that I personally am kind of keeping an eye on is I believe that Gracie does have a little bit of OCD. That is not, we don't have a diagnosis for that yet. Um, We are actually having Gracie get some um, behavior What's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're watching her. What's the word? I want to say analysis. It's not analysis. Anyway, an school psychologist. Well, they're right now they're just watching. watching. So they're going into the mm-hmm. classroom and they're paying attention. And I have re- that's Obser- They're just I observing. Re- yeah. yeah ob- mm-hmm. Observations. Um, mm-hmm. Before we have that additional IEP meeting that I've requested, um, they want to have the mm-hmm. school psychologist who also is certified in behavior analysis. She is mm-hmm. not a BCBA. That's there's a difference there. Um, but they're kind of monitoring her so that we can see what type of behavioral plans we can put in place in her IEP when we do have the meeting to help her with things like transitions or when she does get overstimulated and that sort of thing. Um, I didn't count as I went, but. <laughs> I know, the list, the list keeps growing. That is, that is what So they never gave Lori a formal SBD um, diagnosis. Diagnosis, mm-hmm. yeah. But he, but it was always included in his profile of autism. Yeah. Um, in that sensory processing disorder for you guys who mm-hmm. didn't catch that. Um, and and uh, there's, everybody has a sensory profile. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and they, like our kids with, with autism and ADHD and kind of a neuro, neurodivergence specifically is, it's very common that that is a part of their uh, makeup. I just wanted to. I wanted to comment on that when you were, when you were talking about that and you, cause you went mm-hmm. into detail about how she's like sensory, she's seeking her, her what her sensory uh, mm-hmm. profile kind of looks yeah. like some of those, mm-hmm. some of those benchmarks. Her sensory diet. Diet. Her sensory diet. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, it's, but I hate the word out. diet. <laughs> right. I know that's what they call it. I think it's important to point out too, like Jean, you were saying everyone has a sensory profile and it's yeah. some of us bite our nails if we're stressed out. Some of us right. twirl our hair if we're nervous. Some of us like this is all different Tap ways our of foot. regulating yep. ourselves. Yeah. So um, while sometimes it's a little more pronunciated, you know, in our kiddos, it's something that literally all of us do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> we should write all this down. We're gonna have to put this in our show notes. Oh, geez, that's not. I would promises. love to get a total count, like of our families <laughs> and how many different diagnoses we have. We won't even go into ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you we won't even go into the parents. Us? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's another that's a, episode. That's a separate. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a separate episode. <laughs> oh God, who's next, Britt? You want to go next? Sure. Britt? Sure. Um. Well, officially, Austin has, you know, he's considered a level three, uh, you know, level of uh, autism. I don't know. I'm not saying the right words, but you know what I mean? He's he is severe. He's non-speaking. Um, so he has all of those things that we kind of talked about with the um, speech speech um, diagnoses. And then he has an intellectual disability. We received the intellectual disability and the autism diagnosis at the same time at the mm. age of two. So, um, mm. those are his, those are the main, 
main guys on his list. And um, he is not officially diagnosed with anxiety or depression, but I believe he has those. Um, And I'm working with um, a neurologist and a psychologist and a pediatric psychiatrist on those things right now. So pending. Um, I, I believe also there is the the difficulty with Austin and being able to diagnose these kind of extra, um, more nuanced things, I guess. I don't know if that's even the right way to say it, but, um, you know, OCD, anxiety, depression is, um, Austin cannot, it's difficult for him to communicate. And when you, Mm -hmm. um, when you are trying to diagnose something like that, there are forms to fill out and there are questions to be asked. And there's only so much that I can do as his parent. Uh, I can definitely answer a lot of questions and I can um, observe and take notes and um, answer yes or no. Does he do this? Does he do that? But as far as like how he feels about certain things or his perception of those things, I am guessing big time. Like I, 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 I'm the best guesser. I have the most information out of anyone. Um, so I can make the best educated guess, but I truly, truly don't know how he feels about some things. Like, I I don't know how, you know, my husband feels about certain things and he can tell me and communicate, you know, just as, you know, as well as I can about my own feelings. I don't even know how I feel about stuff sometimes. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, it's difficult to, does that make sense, girls? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and difficult. then I would assume that that would make it hard for even the specialist, you know, to, yes. um, the doctors to be able to make their best right um, evaluation. And yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if he ever will be officially diagnosed with any of those things. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. need an official diagnosis to receive antidepressants, you know, exactly. Like you can. Right. A team will work with you, especially as me being the parent and Austin literally not being able to speak or communicate with them on any, any basic level, um, his his um, thoughts or desires or feelings um, about mental health. So um, it really is us just doing our absolute best, being in communication consistently and um and really working as a team to try to find what we think would be best for him. And that also includes, it includes me filling out stuff for Austin, all of those forms and those bubble sheets. Um, It was intimidating and hard at first, like Jean was talking about, but I can whip through those things like nothing now. Like it doesn't phase me one bit. And that is one of the benefits of maybe having um, a child with, uh, severe communication, um, uh, you know, um, what's the word skills or whatever is a lot of those things. It's like, well, can he say this? Can he say this? And you just go, nope, 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 nope. I can hit no, mm-hmm. like through pages and pages of those things because he's, he's so low functioning in some of those areas. So, um, it just makes it go faster. I don't know if it's, you know, I guess that's a one good thing about it. You can whip through those, those tests, but yeah. um, Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I totally relate to that because there are domains. It's like, yep, that's all big. That's all. No. (laughs) And Austin has, um, Brittany really quickly, he has an AAC device, correct? He does. So he has, but he does go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say it's an, it's an iPad and it's a program we Mm -hmm. have on there. And it, um, if you push the buttons on it, it will speak 
you know, it's, it's, you can construct a sentence on it or a phrase or, or ask for something, even if it's just a one word um, thing on there. And it will, it, it vocalizes the picture that he touches. So, right. And does, does, does he use that often or would you say that's more? He has never really taken to it. Um, mm-hmm. like we hoped he would, but he is using right. it more okay. often right now. Um, we're encouraged okay. by what we're seeing and he is more engaged with it. And I, I believe mm-hmm. that is because of our change of speech therapist that we've had in the last year or so and going back to school and be, being, you know, back in our normal routine post COVID, um, restrictions, mm-hmm. he's, he's doing better in that area. Um, and, and also medication. We've, we've done some significant medication um, adjustments, which Changes, is allowing yeah. him to be able to sit and focus and be able to his, you know, his sensory needs are regulated enough that he can at least like attend to the device. Um, so we can work on some of those things. We're actually having an IEP meeting mm-hmm. tomorrow about, um, you know, just his annual IEP. And we're going to be focusing a lot on the iPad and and what we can do. And including in that is me getting some training. I'm going to meet with a speech mm-hmm. therapist without Austin, the two of us. So that way, what they are doing at school and what we are doing at home are as closely matched as possible to receive, you know, maximum benefit for him. Um, the more consistent we can be between those two areas of his life, um, I think the better for him to be able to understand and, and you know, gain more, more um, skills with it. So, but yeah, um, for Austin, it's, it's all about, um, I, because his, uh, needs are so high, I don't necessarily need a lot of official, official diagnosis. I don't need a laundry list of all these things. I can, I tend Mm -hmm. to be able to get what I need because I have over time, I have built up a team around me who knows him well, has been with him for years and we can kind of just, you know, work on whatever we need to work on at the time. Um, uh, and then with Ruby, Ruby is diagnosed with autism and that's it right now. Um, she does not have an intellectual disability. Um, she is definitely not on grade level in in many areas, but, um, she, she is able to communicate and, um, be in a general education class, at least for some part of every day. So, um, and she's, you know, when you go in for an autism diagnosis, there's the level one, two, and three, she's a one, um, which is that more, wh- what's the right term for that gene? I don't know. It's, it's not higher functioning, but, uh, higher performing. It's, it's higher. Yeah, performing. It's what Jack is too. Yeah. Yeah. Higher performing. So we've got, you know, when, when you talk about the spectrum of autism, I've got one on each mm. end, if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> And um, mm-hmm. the needs and the uh, way you approach things are vastly different. Vastly different, yeah. And it's a bit of like watching a tennis match sometimes around my house where you're just, your head is going left and right and left and right. And you're just like <laughs> ping pong back and forth. It feels like that sometimes. Um, I do have to say really quickly, and I'll quit talking because I feel like I've talked for a long time, but um you haven't. You're good. Okay. Uh, yesterday, I was home alone with Austin and Ruby for an hour. Um, and 
Ruby was having a rough day. It, it's very, very hot. And I think she was a little dehydrated. She's a little hangry. She's mm-hmm. my one who really gets affected by, uh, you know, <laughs> an empty stomach. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, she was really grumpy. So she went upstairs to change her clothes and she was just sobbing upstairs, just to the point of like, comical like fake crying like we need to work on your actress skills dear because it's clearly like there's a lot of drama added to this right this is not like you're in pain because she did not want to do her homework she wanted to watch tv um you know common for, for i'm sure we can all relate and to girl that. was hungry come on and she's hungry and but she wouldn't eat anything like you know how right. you get so yes. stuck you get so angry about something that you won't do the thing that will help you that's what she was doing so um so she was sobbing upstairs just a puddle of tears and then austin was watching a show and he will do this this is something we're working on with his team is he's fine one second and the next he is not fine and i don't know what's wrong nothing has mm-hmm. changed he was in a quiet dark room on his crash pad watching a show nothing had changed on the show it's a show he'd seen before and all of a sudden he was so it he seemed like he was in extreme pain the way he was crying mm. Um, and it will it will go on. It can last anywhere from five minutes to two hours. It just I never know how long it's going to last. So he's sobbing downstairs. Ruby is sobbing upstairs, and I'm standing at the bottom of the stairs, just like, okay, who do I address first? Who do I help first? Do I ignore both of them? Where are my do noise I, canceling headphones? Do I just go outside? <laughs> And just <laughs> leave. Like, what do, do I, I start do? crying? Do, do I, I start, start crying? <laughs> I, I and I, I think I did a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, do I just like? What do I do? So I have to make those decisions, and I'm not just sitting there like panicking because I've done this so many times. Like, this is not my first rodeo, but um, yes. but I have to make those choices. So uh, it it's it's a thing. And then poor Tyler walked in from the the bus. Um, my high schooler. <laughs> And I, I just, I give them the rundown. Like they just, I'm, they walk, hi, how was your day? Great. Okay. Well, this is what's going on. And you, they get a play. Okay. Ruby's upstairs crying about this. Austin's crying about this. And he's just like, okay. I'm like, why don't you go put your backpack down? <laughs> and then I said, just don't talk to either of them. I like give him instructions on how to interact with both of them right now. And what I think is best, like, don't go upstairs and like, try to make her feel better. That's not going to help. Okay. You know, and he goes and does his thing. My kids are really great at ignoring yeah, t- each other. Tyler's pretty mellow though. He's super chill. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but if I had needed mm-hmm. him, I could have said, you know, if I thought it was appropriate, yeah. I could have said, why don't you go upstairs and ask Ruby if she'd like to come down and have some popcorn or, you know, maybe yeah. you can go read a yeah. book with her or something. And he, w- he would mm-hmm. totally jump in if I asked him to. So anyway, yeah. it's just, it's an interesting dynamic with that aspect of our lives. It's very, it can be very <laughs> jarring anyway. You just never know what you're going to walk into, right? You just it's, never know. And that's For my favorite. Surprise, surprise, to all of it at time. the same time. It's my favorite thing being blindsided every day, like, and just not, yes. not knowing what in. to expect. I love, I love surprises, you guys. I love because it's we're just not control keeping things all, you and I. colorful. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, I mean, yeah, it's keeping yeah. you on your toes. Come on, Brett. And I think too, there's one thing I kind of want to point out because mm-hmm. we've talked about 
I think everybody gets really caught up in levels, right? Yeah. Right. So, like Brittany, you were saying Austin is a three and Ruby's a one. And um, Tosh, you had mentioned that Jack is a one. Mm-hmm. And Jean, you said Rory was, is he a three? Is that what three. you said? Mm-hmm. Three. And so like Gracie, her di- her diagnosis has, they broke it into two different levels for Gracie. So they gave her... Um, Persistent deficits in social communication and interaction, level three. Mm. And then restrictive, repetitive patterns of behavior, level two, two, three. So I think we get really, really hung up, though, mm -hmm. on levels. Levels. Mm -hmm. But you see that, like, all of our kids are, like, all these different levels. But they're all so different anyway. In in there, yes. Yeah. 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 And you guys, like, if you follow us on Instagram, you see our kids and you see the way they interact and you see... Um, and I and I'll let the audience know too. Like before the again the DSM was the the you know mental health manual hmm. um, was updated in 2014. Before that, there wasn't level one, two, and three of autism. Now, all of autism has the same code now, but the it used to be you were Aspergers or you were. PDD, NOS, um, or you were severely non-speaking autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was, they, they were all separate categories and different codes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And some of them had, again, you had, you would see sometimes dual diagnosis of those dual codes. Um, but it's not... It's, it's why it can make it so confusing because there's a, there's still a significant amount of probably youth generation that were diagnosed back in those, you know, earlier 2000s that kind of still hang on to that level of their diagnosis and that is what their family and them identify themselves as. And this kind of can seem like there's a lot more gray area. But what it does is, is that it's supposed was intended to serve a wider spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That was the intention. But what, especially in the early years, what they what they started to see, and I still think is still a struggle, specifically for level one, is that a lot of kids who the criteria for almost the As- Aspergers versus what is level one now was almost much more, I don't know, I guess succinct and they were able to identify more that it kind of, sometimes the level one kids are still falling under the radar Mm -hmm. um, with the new diagnostic criteria. Um, And then also to the caveat, the, uh, the other side is that sometimes the kids that were diagnosed as more severe, um, we're just kind of getting stuck there. And also people would not then look at, oh, well, we're just not going to challenge the child anymore. Right. Like almost see it as a, 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 a perception of permanence right. of that. Well, this is the way your child's always going to be. Mm-hmm. And so, and it doesn't mean that, you know, your child will never not be autistic, but your all of our children deserve to be 
challenge to their fullest potential that they have, Mm -hmm. no matter where they fall on the spectrum. Um, And so you never want to just get complacent with where, where they're at because they still deserve to be challenged and educated and supported and constantly growing. And we, they are lifelong learners just as the rest of us adults, you know, who are, would, I don't, I don't even consider myself typical. I mean, does it, maybe Brittany's the typical one of the group? (laughs) I don't know. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. Debatable. Yeah. Debatable. But like, yeah. Officially, uh, unofficially. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, I think we, that, that tends to happen. And that's, that is a commonality that I've heard come up with a lot or a lot of conjecture that I've heard on both sides. And I would anticipate that again, this manual and diagnostic material is going to constantly evolve um, if it's not already in the works of, of being adjusted and changed now, like even the qualifying or screening materials, um, not necessarily the measuring, but the screening materials to kind of catch if there needs to be an assessment done, those materials as well need to be updated. They're not all accurate. And some of them are, contain a lot of cliches that are not just the only way to identify um, autism. And then you have, you still have a significant amount of the population that is, is under identified and still less girls and more boys. Mm-hmm. So it I will say it's not Jean, a true indication. I, um, I know exactly what you're all talking about with all of this because Austin was diagnosed on the, the previous DSM, you know, back in the early, mm-hmm. the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And then Ruby was diagnosed on the now current DSM. So I've done it. I've done both of those, those systems. And what was his, what was, what was his original, what was the previous DSM diagnosis? It was, it was the severe, 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 non-speaking, non-speaking. Yes. Yeah. And it, and he Mm -hmm. had a mental retardation diagnosis. Yeah. And you said, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. Because okay. that's that was what it was the previous. then. That, that was, was the original. Was. Okay. It yes. wasn't, yeah. it wasn't that until uh, intellectual disability wasn't until five. So you were still yeah. using that. Yep. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it changed, it changed. I mean, now it, now it's intellectual disability, but at the time that was the official mm-hmm. medical term. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, and with Ruby, it was, I went into the, the, her evaluation for autism Thinking, okay, I've done this before. It's been a while, but I, you know, I kind of remember what to expect. It was completely different. And they were talking about all these levels and things. I had no clue what was going on. It's like I didn't even have any experience. I was starting over. And I'm finding that's very much the case. So I'm kind of like this caught in the middle. There's, there's a group of us, you know, that are kind of right when, when things changed in 2014 Mm -hmm. and around there where, where things, you know, I, I'm, straddling the line between these two different ways of of viewing autism and and the diagnosis yeah. and how it all works so it's just it's fascinating and just like Jean says all the the jargon and just yeah all of it you know like yeah. hmm. it's confusing I think it's I think it's a cope I, I honestly I think it helps me cope if I if I intellectualize mm, sure <laughs> this scenario <laughs> right because it allows me then when it is necessary 
to when I am in front of the medical professionals or, or even the educational professionals right. to kind of compartmentalize like the, the paradigm and, and lens that I need to like be seeing things through at the time. But doesn't mean that when I am at home and I'm, or if I'm not in that environment and I'm just mom, like I am a mess or I was a mess and I was way more of a mess. It's almost like this, this evolution that has occurred. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You, and you're saying only because that now you, you can sit back and breathe and not, and not be so caught up in numbers and, and levels and, and all of it. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of it wasn't accurate. There, a lot of the stuff, and I, and I will say this, cause we were talking about attitudes around testing and, and, and then you, especially when you're in an educational setting, if you're at that IEP table or ARD committee, whatever it is to discuss your kid's educational plan, and you're looking at their assessments, you don't have to agree with their assessment. Hmm. You know, you can disagree and, and provide, you know, alternative data, or again, ask for a different evaluation take place to get better data or to redo the actual evaluation that they did and try a different approach. Um, Because I don't, it doesn't, it's not always represented. It's not really a pure thumbprint of our kid, especially in those beginning years. I Mm -hmm. think, I think the evaluation process when they're younger is it was way more challenging for, for me. And especially with a non-speaking child, um, just because there was so much, there were so, there was, there's so much in those rubrics that required, they were requiring competence of, of speech and expression. And so just because he wasn't able to express it doesn't mean he's not able to do it. And it takes a seasoned professional to when they're even looking mm -hmm. at that, to acknowledge that, we by no means even think that he's not able to do these things just because it's not indicated on this assessment, right? And so they do try sometimes to use different screening materials to maybe formulate to get a, to get a more defined picture in those certain areas. And by this time has got, gone on and he's gotten older, but those types of assessments have been able to to be more specific and are more indicative of, of what his baseline actually is. So, I mean, it's, it is, it is a, it's a mind game too. Like for, for you as a parent, like you're like in this strategy, you get, you get bombarded with all this information. First off, like when you literally are just starting out and you know Mm -hmm. nothing, you're like, what does this mean? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. It is just like, you completely spiral out of control to like want to understand every single nuance of your child's diagnoses and, and all of these, all of the intricacies of, of, of the process. And you, by the, by while you're trying to understand that, then you're also like looking at the fast and hard, fast and hard facts of, well, based on what the professionals are saying about your child. Mm -hmm. No wonder you're traumatized. That is traumatizing. I would yeah. say that then it that brings in a level of um especially in those earlier years, you know, um that you that there's 
then we're trying to compensate for that by being, you know, look how smart my child is though. Look what they're doing. You know, um, I, I, I've seen that so, so much in, in just being in this community. And it's like, we have nothing to prove to each other and we have nothing to prove to the typical world out there. Our children are our children, you know, and they are incredible humans. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter if they're higher functioning in this area and lower functioning in this area, they are just who they are, you know? Um, and I, and I feel like that's where, yes, the testing and all that, we need to have that they, they, in order to get services, but, but we do, we can tend to get kind of hung up on, on that, you know, and I, and I, I, I am speaking of myself, you know, every time the school year comes around, you know, and seeing where Jack's at educationally, it's always such a, you know, horse pill to swallow. Um, so I just want to make any of you out, out there just kind of aware if you're in that earlier where you're feeling like you have to, you have to prove something, I suppose, you know, no, your child is worthy period. Mm -hmm. They are worthy no matter where they're at, whether they're, you know, whatever their verbal or what, excuse me, whatever their communication skills are, whether they're non-speaking or, or speaking or, you know, they use specifically echolalia, whatever it is, you know, um, if they are Albert Einstein or, (laughs) you know, they have an ID, they are incredible kids, period. Mm-hmm. Amen on that. Let's talk. And Jack. now I'm going to just get off my soapbox now. Okay. Well, ta- get on, <laughs> we get on your about- Jack. Get on your Jack. So, so no, yeah. I know I'm trying to. Uh, okay. Jean, help me remember. Okay. Um, <laughs> so well, you told me pre, so pre, pre autism diagnosis. Um, uh, Jack was diagnosed with, uh, motor, you know, motor skill delays. And then, um, and cognitive delays, and then um, speech delay. I don't think, not severe, because Jack was speaking, but everything that he was, it was all echolalia for the most part. Um, And then then there was also a, I would say like a pre-diagnosis of ADHD and, and OCD and sensory processing. And then those formal diagnoses came with the, um, Autism. For, with the formal autism diagnosis from the hospital, yes. Um, what else am I missing? Let's see. He he just recently in the last what last was it last year? Yeah, uh, with an intellectual disability. But even then, that's you know like what we talked about. That's hard because it was done through the school district, and it's a you know part of the functional behavioral analysis. And I don't truly believe that they have the proper time or yeah I, I would just say you know time and and ability to get a very clear you know answer because yes he he they he they were able to score score him I would say I hate saying this but low enough to where he does have one but it was so misleading because there were some areas that were higher you know um but so he just is like right at that at that line like maybe they maybe they don't have the full picture because you know testing can they, and and that's what it so is far. it's yeah. they they don't have the full picture because they they again it's a it's a manner of t- you know time management and doing yeah. it during the school hours and um yeah so yes he does have an intellectual disability but um you know yeah am i missing you also also missing? oh you also ADHD have- <laughs> 
Did I say ADHD? <laughs> well, you said pre-diagnosed, but then you said so when autism y- diagnosis y- came, then you got yeah. So the site, so the oh. psychologist, the child psychologist that he saw before um, when we started going through the process of um, why we were on the list, you know, of the different ho- three different hospitals waiting for the autism um, evaluation. She diagnosed him with ADHD and and um, and OCD, and then um, the you know he had the speech testing done, and then you know the occupational stuff. Um, so the form, all of it was formally, I would say, diagnosed in the formal um, autism evaluation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. And then anxiety has showed up. Um, you know, we don't have a we don't have a formal diagnosis for that, but that has been a huge thing that has come with age over the last two years, um, and and then in turn creating the OCD to be worse. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and and these are all like every single one of these things that we've all talked about. Um, these comorbidities are also very common with also having autism diagnosis and even an ADHD mm-hmm. not, diagnosis. They're all so mm-hmm. common, every single one of them. You, there's, there's what I, what I learned at the beginning of Rory's diagnosis. Cause we, at first were going to a speech and communications, um, school it was like specialized mm-hmm. in that. So every, you know, it was, there's so many different types of communication disorders, like yeah. so mm-hmm. many, and again, like you can have multiple inside of there. And, and technically, technically in very, the, in many of Roy's assessments, even in his OT, in his speech, you will see once you get, once you qualify for speech and OT, you, you can see the other sub diagnoses, yeah, diagnoses yeah. in there. And I will say over time, a lot of that stuff has changed or interchanged with mm-hmm. Rory. So there was a time where you know, he was a praxic and, um, like they, and I can't even remember all the rest of them. I think I purposely blocked it out because honestly, I, I, my child had some words and he had, he had the, he had all, he could make certain sounds. And I was just, just like, I, I find that he will be speaking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so not accepting of that, that not mm-hmm. to get into the grief of all of that, but I'm just, why we were talking about how do you, you know, people wanted to know, like, how do we manage ourselves? Um, you do become more adapted. And there's also this into your, to your situation, like you had a lot of turnover with the staff at Jack school and inside mm-hmm. of his educational plan. Mm-hmm. And that contrast of observations can also have you have a more dulled sense of maybe where his baseline is not having that whole Mm -hmm. picture, Mm -hmm. you know, and I remember all the turnover that we've experienced specifically in, you know, his ABA therapy, some with his school as well. And I can relate to that. And I was constantly fighting for the, I want the most holistic, concise thing, you know, on paper, Mm -hmm. what is Rory? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot of waged effort from us as parents. If you really are seeking that, don't think that you're just going to get it. Um, be you stay know, curious. Yeah. I, I mean, like one, one of the biggest struggles right now, I would say for me is, you know, 
wherever Jack is at educationally, it's, it's, it is what it is. I'm not, you know, I'm not concerned. I'm not worried that he's not at a third grade level. Um, what my concern is, <laughs> and this is, and this is where, you know, as you're going through this journey where, where things start to become very frustrating within the school district is that, you know, Jack is at a kindergarten level in, in most areas, um, which again is fine, but we're not getting the proper support, right? We were denied ESY because of the, how the testing process is, you know? And so I would say that that's where it becomes the emotions take over, right? And, and where the frustration and, um, because it's widening the gap because it's widening the gap. It's not, it's not keeping the gap. We're, 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 I'm not, there's not this expectant level of, of Mm -hmm. catch my kid up, you know, that's not it at all, but it's like, Mm -hmm. what are we doing to, he he should, as a country own pace. Yes, 100%. But we are, we are severely lacking in trying to figure out how to, like you said, to lessen that gap, um, you know, through the support systems of, you know, equality across the board in, in, in public education. Um, right. so I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I will save that anger for another day. Yeah. We'll, we'll save that for <laughs> and, our next you know, and I will, and I will, uh, <laughs> um, and I will just say really quickly too, like a lot of the behaviors with some of our kids, um, and not behaviors, but, but what's the better word for it? Um, like you're talking you know, about the, the way the, they present or presentation? The way that they present, or? yeah. You know, like, I mean, so a lot of that changes with Jack being on medication, you know? And so um, there's there's Jack on medication, <laughs> and then there's Jack when the medication's off board, you know? Um, and, and so then there's the higher, like, much like Gracie, the higher sensory seeking, the, the you know, the uh, inattentiveness in and the hyperactivity just, like, goes through the, through the roof. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's so go listen constant... to our medication episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes, everybody take their meds. <laughs> like, everyone like take your meds. Brittany said, it's that tennis match again. You know, like, okay, yeah. what time is it? What What are we doing right now? Okay. <laughs> is, it time, is it time to administer? Mel- melatonin. What's happening? Is it too early for melatonin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or is it time for rescue meds? Yes. Yeah. yeah. For yeah, the parent, that's, that's parent rescue meds. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what I that, need. that's a, that, that's one, but I mean, like I know Austin has rescue meds, Rory has a rescue no, med too. No, totally. Yes. Yeah. We, we um, do not have that, but that's why I have to have my rescue meds. Um, yeah. <laughs> what I, what I, what I do want to just say though, like I, I want to bring that back around is, is, you know, no matter how many diagnoses, how, all the things our, our kids are our kids and, um, each of them are incredible and different, you know, and, and, um, yes, the love, the levels and all that, and the diagnoses matter for what we get, um, medically and in the educational system, but, you know, our kids are incredible, period. Mm-hmm. That's it. Amen. That's it. Yeah. Amen. Do we have any peaks? Are we going to go oh. into the peak? We do, but peaks we need our intro week. first, Tosh. Why do you, Mike always get us put on the spot? You're the singer. <laughs> Brittany did it last week. Uh, Brittany. <laughs> Brittany did do go. it last Do you want me to do go. it this time? Fine. Yes. Of the week. Boom. Oh, <laughs> that wow. was not singing. Okay. Can we just pause for a second? Brittany, sing to the crowd right now, please. Go. Oh my. 
<clears throat> oh man. Peak of the week. <laughs> yes. There you go. I, I just I feel like I up. opened up a psalm booklet and I was in church right now. <laughs> you're in, you're, I don't know what that was. <laughs> you're in the Psalms. <laughs> Book of Psalms. Here we go. Okay. All right. <laughs> what do we got, ladies? Okay, sorry. Let's focus. We we need we need a little levity after all of that. Okay. I, I have yeah, a peak my of the week. I mean yes. You ready? You ready to hear it? I'm ready. I'm ready. Please. Mm-hmm. It's it's about Austin. So um Austin tends to watch the same shows over and over and over again. I think we can all relate to that to some extent. Same girl, same. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I can I sing along to the Wonder Pets. It's fine. Uh, because I know every single word. But he uh, recently ha- kept handing me, we have DVDs, physical DVDs, so he can show me what he wants. And uh, he handed, he kept handing me Tangled, you know, uh, Disney's Tangled with Rapun- the Rapunzel story. And I'm just like, you don't, you've never watched Tangled. Like, why are you? So after like the fifth time, I'm like, fine, I'll put on Tangled. And we put it on and he keeps requesting it. He has a thing for Rapunzel, you guys. Yeah, I think he's I got. She's, he's got a she's thing. She's adorable. She mm-hmm. has super long hair, and if you know anything about my son, yes, he loves he your hair. Loves my hair, <laughs> and he loves to snuggle it and run his fingers through it. I'm like, oh my goodness, you have a thing for girls with long hair. <laughs> oh, guess Tosh and I are out of you the equation. <laughs> Do you sing though? Because that has some of the best. Singing, it sing along. Some of the best to singing. It. it does. Yeah. You it probably does. can shine that in is... that direction, can't you? Yeah, we we do. I do sing along with those songs too. Anyway, so yeah, he's yeah. just all about yeah. yeah Tangled and Rapunzel. He won't watch the whole thing. He just watches the beginning. But um, but yeah, so we're on a uh, Tangled kick right now, and I'm all for it. So mm-hmm. good for him for finding mm-hmm. what he, he only wants. watches the beginning because that's when she has long. That's hair. when she has long. Tosh hair. was trying to so. Tosh was trying to coerce you into singing. I wasn't some just tangled. singing. <laughs> Oh, I'll she didn't it. fall for it. She's, no, she I, did it. Whatever. She did not. She either purposely was dodging it. Jean, Jean like, got it. She was like, oh, I, I knew exactly doing. what she was doing. I knew. I saw um, the wheels turning. Uh, I've already sang once today on here. I'm good. One of these days. I'm gonna, I'll promise you guys. I'll force her to sing to you guys. Uh, we'll see. Okay, we'll Shannon, see. go. Um. <laughs> I had to reach, and um, the only thing I could come up with is I walked through Hobby Lobby yesterday, and I bought two wreaths for my wreath hangers on my gate, and that is my peak of the week, friends. And they're gorgeous. They have, I'm sorry, Christmas out already? No, no, it's fall. They're fall wreaths. Oh, I was like, what in the hell? Okay, fall. Oh, yeah. Nope, but some of them do. Some of them do. It's It's okay. It's fine, Tosh. It's fine. We're all going to survive. I mean, it's I don't think it's going to change our rating. I don't think it's going to change our rating. I think we're going to go down. Or you go down. We are still (laughs) PJ. We're still PG. Um, (laughs) Got nervous for a second. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Shannon, I love it. I love that you got your fall wreaths. I'll send you all pictures. They're very cute. Please do. Please do. Jean, all right. Uh, I don't know if I did. I tell you guys the story about how Rory was supposed to be doing the alphabet, and instead of doing the alphabet, he spelled the words "the end." Did I tell you that? Oh, I love it. Go, Rory. He threw shade like so. They were like, "Hey, Rory." 
and he did it too when he came home too he was like it was basically being like stop asking me to do this yes it was like put you know they wanted him to put his you know abc's it was sort of just like a maintenance exercise and he stopped at e and the aide couldn't figure out what he was doing and then she realized he started to spell and it then he spelled the end like, okay bud <laughs> We're, we're done. done. Thank you very we're, much. We're we're so done and with this. Like I'm into spelling done. words right now. Like I've moved on. You need to move on. So then oh. we're playing uh later that night with the RBT, we're playing bananagrams, and he wanted to not play bananagrams because it's like a form of scrabble. If anyone's ever played right. it. Yeah. So was I wasn't asking him to do his ABCs, but he apparently didn't like that either. So he spelled the end. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. This is new. Like, hey, it is. He throws some shade, man. He's very like it's. It's very slick. It's very yeah, slick. He's like, I'm over this. Moving mm-hmm. on. Moving on. Rico what Suave. Got, Rico Suave, Jean. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, I had a lovely visit with my twin. Lovely. Yes. And my kids went back to school. Oh, that is the peak. You guys. Ultimate. And my, oh, and sorry, Tyler. And my husband's been gone all week. We're teaching the academy. So I have had just. Your nervous system is getting a break. Oh, it's been silence and just. I've just been getting it done, oh, you know. You can just, do plant, I, you're probably doing I, some plant listening. Oh, let I me tell you. Thing. I I have loved on them. I have been like, oh, girls and boys, I'm so sorry. I've just denied you the last couple of weeks. But yes, it has been glorious. <laughs> glorious. Awesome. I'm do sorry. I miss my do children? You... No. Don't worry, they come back to you at the end of the day. Do I love my children? Yes. (laughs) No shame. (laughs) Sorry, Tyler. Is the pool still set up in the backyard? Yeah, but it's going down this weekend. I was going to say you can do some mommy floating during your free time. Yeah. You know, it's like then you want to have a drink and it's like, oh, is it too early? I have an inflatable one out back and I have had visions that that's what I was going to do. So far, that has not taken place. Okay. Well, you know, (laughs) it will happen though. Tomorrow's Friday. All right. All right, friends. Do not forget to follow us and um, leave us the best review ever because, you know, we're likable, likable ladies here. Um, <laughs> usually. Usually, usually. And that's it. So we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>